The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. How about a deep breath together? Just maybe breathing together, knowing we're breathing together, taking each other in either by name or by sight. Yeah. Is there anyone here today that hasn't been um, here for any of the other meetings? And I don't know how I would know this, but maybe if you raise your hand or I'm, I'm thinking probably you all have seen the basic introductory slides. Does anybody um, feel like they need me to go over those? Okay. All right. Um so one of the things that um, I wanted to acknowledge is we're halfway through. We're halfway through the program. The kind of a, I can, I could feel it in my body as I was sort of like, Oh wow. Okay. This is, we've had four meetings and we got four more. Yeah. So I thought it was a good moment for us to just sort of check in Um We don't have a lot of time, but I thought maybe I could um, sort of ask you some questions and let you let you take them in and notice what what comes up for you. And the first question is just really simple, like just check in and how is it going for you? Notice what happens in the body. And another question might be, is there anything about what is coming up or what has come up through engaging in this program that maybe needs a little more of any of the following? A little more kindness, a little more self-compassion, more forgiveness, patience, flexibility. So just kind of re- kind of reflect and, and just think about the path factors, right? Wise understanding, wise view, right? Wise intention, wise action with um, right speech, wise action, wise livelihood, which we'll do today. And as you reflect on the ones that we've covered, does anything come up where you feel like you're falling short? You feel some sense of shame about past actions or blaming. Or you've started to be more critical of other people because they're, they're not doing the, the right thing with regard to the path. And just, just want to invite this idea of what would it be like to have the absence of shame? Or the absence of blame. 
What, what would what would be gone from your experience? No shame and no blame. And just see if that might be supportive for you, right? Sometimes, sometimes, a few times, people might get a little bit caught up in feeling a lot of regret about their past, right? Or things that they haven't done in ways that they feel are really skillful. So this idea of no shame, no blame can be an invitation when we're starting to go down a more judgmental path of ourselves to sort of go, well, how would I hold this without shaming and without blaming? Like I want to see what's going on clearly, but without any sort of harming energy coming out or coming in or going out. Some other things to think about are when you're engaging with your practice, you can also really, instead of just looking at what you haven't done well or what you're not doing well enough about or what you want to do better, if you ever happen to do that, some of us don't, some of us do a lot, whatever amount, just check in and say, huh, do I allow myself to connect with joy and happiness when I actually show up in a way that might be a little bit kinder, a little bit more mindfulness of speech, a little bit more, you know, in the direction that feels wholesome and supportive. Just can just ask, can you recall a time when you actually allowed yourself to celebrate or enjoy, feel joy or feel the happiness? of right speech, right, right action. And if that sounds nice to you, maybe just sort of note it for yourself. Just say, okay, I'd like to, I'd like to start to notice those moments. I'd like to acknowledge them. I'd like to let myself feel a little joy, right? How would that be? The other thing to think about and consider is as you kind of notice your sort of process um are you holding it with that real understanding that this is life is like a progression a growing thing we never get to the end of you know being done right until we pass away so the idea that it's you know progressive and we need to be patient and continue working that we're not just it's not over just because we learned what right wise speech is about, right? So that holding your own growth with the understanding that it'll go up and down, right? And another idea might be to uh, invite yourself to really see mistakes, quote unquote mistakes, or things that you feel regret about as opportunities, opportunities to grow and reflect that, Actually, that's where some people say they learn by making mistakes. 
or we learn by noticing where there's wrong view or wrong speech. We actually have a chance to look deeper into the conditioning and the things that are going on for ourselves. It's hard to see it if it's not activated, right? And just again, like inviting you to keep coming back to the idea of wise, what is wise, not wrong versus right, right? It's not this sort of duality. Um, and that really what we're wanting to tune into is our direct experience of the teachings, what, what we can notice in ourselves, because we're all different. So maybe take one of those things I've said. I've said a lot of things. Just which one or two spoke to you? And just highlight it in your mind. Maybe make a note of it. And just maybe even like kind of hold it in your hands. This is like a if you're a somatic person, if you're a body visual oriented person, put it in your hands and cup it with love and care and bring it into your heart. Right. Sort of oh, may I may I reflect on this? May I remember this? May I allow it to support me? And stay engaged. And now just take a minute of silence and shortly Chris will start our guided meditation practice for us. Thank you for your kind attention. Mm, Thank you. I would just like to check that People can hear me okay. I've had some feedback that my voice gets very quiet on guided meditation. So is this working okay? All right. I see one person asking for a little bit louder. Okay. If I can turn this up any. How's that? Is that better? Okay. Thank you. So as a a kind of introduction to this topic of livelihood, I'd like to offer a meditation that's about liveliness. Fully inhabiting our bodies, our hearts, our minds. Just exploring a little bit what it's like to have free access to all of our human capacities, what it would be like. So that we might be able to move toward being more able to bring our complete embodied functioning aliveness to all of our daily life activities. So just beginning with some breathing, coming into your own space, coming into your own body, feeling that breath moving down through the whole torso. Whatever movement you feel through that part of your body, through any part of your body, 
Seeing if you can sense a little bit of the movement of the breath throughout the whole body. The whole body includes the whole head, for example. Not just the forehead, the face, or out in front of the face. Sensing in deep into the center and the back of your whole head, the middle of your head. Maybe just bringing some awareness to this, the quality of understanding, this capacity of understanding. Not knowing anything in particular, but the ability to be awake, aware, and knowing that we know what's happening. What might be the felt sense of an open mind, this capacity to recognize and know, this amazing human capacity that we bring to our liveliness. Checking in with your face, this organ of expressiveness. Could be open, could be masked and guarded, could be relaxed, could be fixed in some places and relaxed in other places. What's it like to know that from the inside? This is the home, the physical home of the physical bases of our senses, most of them. Seeing. Is it possible to relax and receive sight? Seeing happens on its own. Let seeing happen with relaxed, soft eyes. Hearing. Hearing happens on its own. Just letting sounds come to you with releasing any tension around your ears and the sides of your head, around bracing and blocking sound. Smelling with the instrument of the nose. The potential for tasting with all the different parts of the tongue and parts of the mouth. Moving in 
into the throat, in the, the neck and throat area. In a way, the home of speech, the capacity for speech. Although you might sense that the impulse to communicate and speak might come from much lower down, much more of a whole body experience, the wish to communicate. A lot of us carry tightness in our throats, not being able to say what we wanted to say, not feeling safe to speak. Just spending some time with the throat and neck in a spirit of kindness and opening. Allowing the voice to rest. Allowing silence. Allowing the whole neck and throat to rest on the foundational support of the shoulders, the shoulder blades. the front of the chest. Sensing the potential, sensing your shoulders, your arms, all the way down to your hands, just allowing yourself to appreciate the potential for reaching out, for embracing, for touching. The sensitive hands, feeling receiving, sometimes creating and shaping, communicating by the gentleness of touch. Sometimes the hands might be involved in expressing in ways like art or music or sports, gardening, all aspects of our livelihood that some of us might have that involve our hands and arms being freed up to move and respond. Coming down to sense in the heart center, the whole chest area, the whole center of our torso, its capacity to feel and receive and allow all of our emotional responses to being alive and to care. A seat in some ways of our intentions and motivations
center of our love of life and of all the ways we protect ourselves and protect that love. Really sensing the three-dimensional, fully complete space of your inner torso, the center, as far toward the center as you can sense. Deep inner contact with yourself. down to the middle of the torso, around the navel, the bottom of the ribs, that area. This is an important center of our being, feeling the power of this center. It's the area of the complete spiraling muscle of the diaphragm all around, complete plane through the center of the body. In a way, this might be the area that you could say is the bottom of the heart. It supports the heart, supports our emotional life. It's a sense of strength, of power, natural power, like a waterfall flowing through the center of the body. In a way, the center of personal strength and integrity. All these qualities are very holistic qualities also. You might sense them in some other way. Just an invitation to explore this connection between our various human faculties and capabilities and their embodiment in some ways. And letting the breath Come down into the belly. Below the navel, the whole area between the pelvic floor and the navel. The great capacity of this area of the body to bear with, to be patient, to be strong, to be equanimous and grounded. Sensing the sheer volume and space of that lower part of our torso for its capacity to hold and support everything above it. That foundational plane of the pelvic floor that we're sitting on, a foundation for the whole torso to rest. Maybe sensing again deep into the core of your body. Sensing as much as you can the central core that runs all the way from 
the bottom of the pelvic cavity clear to the top of the head. Our alignment with our uprightness, our integrity. The interconnection and mutual supportive influence of the heart and the mind and the belly. All these areas have their own centers of intelligence, feeling, wisdom in a way. And the spine, the support of a spine that's in alignment. It takes some spine, it takes some guts, it takes some heart, it takes our heads, it takes all these faculties to make our way in the world. Can we be settled back in our bodies, trusting the support of these foundations like our pelvic floor, our diaphragm, our shoulder girdle, the spine, and the potential for feeling a a live core right through the middle connects all these parts, lets them support and work together. And on down our legs, powerful parts of our bodies. What's it like to be in your legs, to embody, be embodied in your legs? Feeling that potential, the potential to stand, the potential to move, potential to dance perhaps. And the feet, the feet can be just as sensitive as the hands. The feet, the palm of the feet, contacting the ground through the contact with your socks and shoes. All the toes, both sides of the feet, the heel of the feet. Be a very lively and receptive part of the body. Really feeling that connection with the earth. Ultimate support from our relationship with the earth, both the gravity and the uplift of being alive. Just sensing for a minute the potential in this whole body. The potential of this whole body to be ready to engage with the world of all the aspects of our livelihood. 
And another beautiful thing is that any part can, in a way, take over and support those parts that might not be working so well, might have received some damage in the course of life, or amazing, amazing tales of people without sight who can echolocate their way around town, all the ways that our parts of our body all support, fill in for what's needed. So I think our basic practice of simple awareness of what's arising in the moment is a beautiful, reliable, foundational practice. Sometimes it's also good to take a tour of the whole body, all of our faculties. Might have a tendency to be overlooking some resource that we have that we didn't quite realize we had or to increase our sensitivities in some areas. Find homes like the belly, a great home, the legs, the feet, the heart. New places to live besides just in our our thoughts or our awareness of the things we're typically aware of. Munindraji, who's a revered senior Indian teacher in our tradition, used to say that the The Dharma is about living this life fully. Bringing the fullness of our own capacities to the fullness of experience. Okay, and handing things back over to Tanya. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Chris. That was uh, really lovely. Yeah. And inspiring me. Um, some of the 
the things that you brought up um, were really lovely to think about in terms of wise livelihood for me. So, you know, livelihood um, speaks to something very, very broad, right? Whatever sustains life. And I loved how you were emphasizing this live, lively, liveliness, livelihood. And for me, the qualities of that you were emphasizing by being, like being awake, right? Being present for the present moment to have awareness kind of of what's happening in the moment. And I think that what can be challenging is uh, I'm going to emphasize a little bit about the condition, conditioned nature of work or how it conditions us, right? And essentially when we're, when we're conditioned, it's really lovely and helpful in many, many ways because we can do things more automatically. They don't take as much effort. It's like if you learn a new task at work, um, in the beginning, maybe it takes a lot more energy to learn it and do it. But over time, it becomes more natural. And that's sort of like, you know, um, a natural part of our minds. So in work, it can be easy to to become, to kind of go on automatic pilot. So it's a, there's an opportunity for us to notice this and invite ourselves to find little ways in our work to kind of come back into the center, back into this awareness, back into feeling the spine, the guts, the heart, and the mind, right? Really reconnecting. So, and, um, you know, it is necessary to learn tasks so that we can do them in somewhat automatic ways, but maybe not quite as much as sometimes happens. So is there an opportunity there? So coming back to the kind of idea of wise livelihood, um, it, you know, the word, uh, jiva, uh, jiva, Ying, is that how I'm, am I saying that right? I don't feel, am I? Yeah. Okay. Ajiva comes out of the word sustenance. It's a Pali word, ajiva. And so, you know, what is it that sustains our life? What do we need to survive? Right. There's a lot of primal, basic human needs we need to be kind of taken care of. So we have how, you know, a shelter and food and, um, and, you know, sometimes survival also might mean connection and productivity, right? So whatever we do in our life that is meant to sustain our needs is our livelihood. Career, job, role, right? Role may not be something you're paid for, but it is something that that you do to fulfill, you know, a need in your life. The main thing that the Buddha taught, um, like he had a list of five things to avoid trading in, working in, right? And I'm going to read that list. But I also, I just want to go back to a moment to emphasize that there is what we do and there's how we do it. How we do it. So we could have the most peacemaking job, the most loving, potentially job in the world. But if we aren't engaging with it in ways that feel like they're deepening peace and ease between 
the people you're working with or, you know, that there's some ways that the way your work is functioning doesn't actually create that experience in the workplace um, or in your role, then that's, that's another layer. That's something to look at. So you could have like any of the, of any opposite of the five, the Buddha said not to trade in. Right. But it's not just the job title. It's also how we do that work. So the five things the Buddha said to avoid trading in are animals, humans, weapons, intoxicants, and poisons. I think when you really look at the list, right, sort of at the thinking of the time of the Buddha or how I hold this is really is our livelihood, is it supportive to others, right? Is it enhancing and non-harming, you know, caring for and done with, you know, goodness, right? Wholesomeness. Or is the livelihood we're engaged in one that causes harm in order for someone else to benefit, including maybe ourselves, And like I said, I really think that there's two pieces here. There's the actual work and there's the way we work. And both are really important, right? So I said I wanted to sort of talk about conditioning, right? It's a huge part of the nature of life, right? And, it, you know, what we do most conditions us the most, And for many of us, for a large portion of our life, that most is is our work, our role, our career, right? So in order to do something a lot, you know, there's this automatic thing that happens where we develop habits, right? Which is an understatement. It's also, in the Buddha's terms, conditioning. And another way to put that is automatic pilot. Right. So I just want to invite you to think about how in your work, in your in your role, in your livelihood. Are there opportunities for you to be a little more present? So I one of the things I do um, is before I have a meeting with anyone I take a few breaths and I pause and I have the reflection may I be of service to this person right so this is a practice that you know maybe I'm going back to back to back meetings but it just slows me down a little bit so that I don't get too kind of churned and busy working to help or advise or you know, and I come back to a center. So that helps me not get too much into the automatic pilot, which could be good and not so good in my work, right? I'm a therapist. So if I'm really get focused on helping people and giving advice and direction, which is only a part of my work, but let's say I have a session with somebody who needs a lot of structure, needs a lot of support. And I go into the next session with that energy, but the next person might not need it at all. And my, I've kind of begun rolling in a way that it's helpful to pause, 
reflect before engaging, changing things. So the other part that's really important to acknowledge around um, livelihood is that it is a deep, there's a deep, deep need for, most people feel a need for security, for safety, right? And money in this culture um, is and comforts are often equated with that. So it's important to acknowledge that it's essential, but also maybe to keep asking what is enough? What is enough? How do we find the middle way here? How do we find balance? Um, in our culture, um, there's a few models that sometimes are talked about in terms of thinking about our needs. One of them is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it really is this hierarchy, the idea that um, we need something at the base right? The most of, and then it goes on up. So the things are at the bottom of that pyramid, the foundation is our physiological needs and then safety needs and belonging and then esteem and then self-actualization. But that's a very, very Western perspective. And, you know, there's a, a man named Max Neef. He's a Chilean economist and he offers an alternative non-hierarchical view Right. So this can help us challenge and see re kind of orient ourselves to our livelihood. And he lists about out eight qualities within no order. He says they come and go. Some are more important, other important that that it's not a hierarchy that we need them all. And his things are include idleness or relaxation, sustenance to survive, freedom, choice, affection, love, identity, belonging, understanding. Um, to create and to participate or stand up. So I find that a really inspiring model and it helps me get a little less hooked into that sort of primitive programming around I need to really greed, right? I need this, I need that, I need to accumulate to feel safe, right? <clears throat> so let me check where I am at time. All right. Yeah. So some alternative ways to kind of help loosen our relationship to things like money, right, is to think about money as it's just a symbol. It's a symbol of value. Right. Or to think about it, you know, instead of like I need, I need, I need just sort of really relating to it like money is what we need to trade and for that which sustains us. Right. And and to focus on how we trade makes a difference and who we trade with has an impact. Another thought is um, for some people, they say they have the saying that it's money that makes the world go around. Well, another kind of perspective might be it's love that makes the world go around. So you reprioritize love over money, heart and care over accumulating all kinds of things. Yeah. And, you know, for people who are living a lay life who aren't monastics, um, 
you know, it's likely that when we ask ourselves if our livelihoods are causing harm or benefit, it's likely that you can probably find ways that both are true. Yeah. So what I would like to have us do is kind of to, in breakout rooms, explore um Explore the condition, conditioning impact and nature of our, our work, our livelihood, our roles. And I have a quote from the Buddha. It's whatever we determine, whatever we intend to do, and whatever we're occupied with, this is the base for consciousness to be maintained on, right? So this is what sort of creates this automatic movement. So what is it in your work, in your livelihood, in your roles that your mind becomes occupied with? So we'll do, we're going to do some longer breakout groups, about 18 minutes. And um, I'm going to introduce those, but um, it would be very, very helpful if all of you stayed. <laughs> and of course, you don't have to. So, but if, if you don't want to stay, it's helpful for us if you sign out now so that while I'm giving directions, um, Chris can set up the groups. Because if you leave after she starts setting them up, it, she has to move people all over the place. So it's very helpful. Deep bows to you. And you can come back in about 20 minutes and the, the Zoom will be open and we'll be so happy to have you back. All right. So um, just a reminder to kind of connect and root and ground into your bodies. Maybe when you come together, taking a few breaths and just orienting toward the biggest gift you can give yourself and each other is to listen and not be preoccupied with planning exactly what you're going to say. Um, but allow yourself to he- take in what others are sharing and spontaneously share what comes up for you. So I'd like to suggest that um, I'm going to give you two questions or it's sort of like, yeah, two questions, which I'll copy and paste into the chat. And I understand that now the chat, these chat stuff should follow you into the breakout rooms. So hopefully they will. Let's see, everyone. All right. And um, so I'm thinking about a spiral, right? So if you think about like, a spiral communication would be one person shares one or two sentences, fairly brief, not a lot of detail, just sort of the global picture. And then the next person shares and then so on. And that you just sort of allow each other to keep adding and spiraling and adding. Right. Um, and so the questions are, you know, what, what is your mind, your body, your heart getting better at via the work you do or the role you have? And so to, another way to say that is what are you training or conditioning yourself to do or be? 
but without connecting this to good or bad, right or wrong. Just like from this perspective of like, huh, what I'm, what am I training myself to do? Right. What am I really, you know, so if, you know, if you're a security person, you might be constantly looking for potential threats and danger. That's what you get good at. Right. Um, so that's just a very simple example, but asking yourself, what am I getting good at? What am I conditioning myself to do? And so why don't you spend about five to seven minutes on that question? And then the second part is how does the work itself or the way you are training yourself contribute to your well-being and the well-being of others? So how is your work contributing? How is your livelihood? How is your role How's the way you're being in your work, not just your role title, but the way you're engaging in your work contributing. So really, I want you to take at least seven minutes with that question, spending more time sort of so you don't get laid down in any heavy way with feeling like, I don't know, the negative aspects. And then take um, the, you have a total of 18 minutes. So then take a few minutes um at the end um, to kind of just openly share and reflect on how this process with you was with you. So you can divide your time up in the way that feels best for you, but, but do give yourself probably two to three minutes at least at the end to just openly each kind of share and reflect on what was, how this was, what might be helpful, what might you want to take away and what questions you might have when we come back together again. All righty. Any questions at this point? I'm going to kind of remove my spotlight so I can see more people. Um, and you said you'd put the questions into the chat? I did. Did they not go through? Oh. I don't either know. Oh, I know. I put it there, but I didn't send it. Let's see. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Got it. Anybody else have any concerns or questions or Need clarification. Just unmute. I just wanted to clarify that some people may just that whatever it is that you do with your time counts as livelihood if you don't have an official job at the moment. So if you're volunteering or gardening or house, house making, whatever you're doing. Yes. Thank you. I was trying to use the word role, but that's more clear. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. All righty. Enjoy your time together, and uh, we'll see you back here in about 18 minutes. Yeah. All right. So we have, you know, um, I, know 20, I guess only 10 minutes at this point, nine. But um, am I looking at the right timing here? 2.20, Yeah. So what, what, how was this for you? You know, were there any kind of anything that you feel stuck around? Um, anything that you feel inspired by? Um, how was it to spend this time focused on this topic? Addie, I like your little kitty on your shoulder there. I've got, okay, two people have raised their hands. Great. Let me look and see if I can find you. Okay. Francis, would you like to share? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was inspiring for me hearing other people what 
are they training their lives to be? And how are they going? And what I got from the, the group that I may add to my life <laughs> is having fun and joy uh-huh. and, and helping others. And uh-huh. that, that was something that I, uh, some, sometimes I'm very serious with what I'm doing uh-huh. and I forget to smile and I forget to enjoy my cooking, which is what I'm training myself to do. Nice. Whole plant-based cooking in, in order to help others to better their health. That, that's where I'm going. But it, it, I haven't been joyful. <laughs> so I think, uh, I, I like the, the experience. It was great. Oh, Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Francis. Marianne, would you like to, um, sh- share? Sure. Uh, I think uh, I think this was a wonderful breakout session. Mm-hmm. It was so inspiring. I mean, the past year has been such a challenge on so many ways. And to hear my breakout team members talk about how they've been able to adjust and use and grow and be frustrated during this period of time and yet keep moving is was was just wonderful it was just wonderful to hear and to share my experiences and that also what are we training ourselves i think we're training ourselves in just resiliency Mm. and just seeing how we can continue to move and care and yeah it, it's been an amazing year and I just expressed how thankful I was to have this course, this class during this year. Um, how was this helping so, Marianne? How was it? Oh my goodness. It reminds me weekly from the emails, uh-huh. but certainly monthly on some calmness, some acceptance, some joy. It was mentioned before just a few minutes ago. Um, how to stay centered during a time that does not feel very centered. Mm. It's just a a weekly exercise and a monthly exercise in um, beautifully helpful survival skills and thriving skills. Nice. Thank you so much. You bet. (laughs) Well, dear, would you like to share? You're muted, sweet. There you go. Yes. Um, one of the things I was struck by uh, during our conversation is um, when we when we're considering how we're contributing um, to others. Um, a lot of it, I think, comes back to trust that we are, because <laughs> we don't see maybe visible signs. Even when I was a full-time teacher, I didn't always see visible signs, but I knew somehow that they were going on. But now that I'm retired, uh, for example, I just, I meditate and I read and, and, and um, listen on the phone. 
but the meditating and reading, uh, it, it, it develops my own heart they, and, and, and my open mind. Um, and that's just something that I hope is going to leak out to, to other people in my behavior and my speech and, and, uh, um, so I guess what I'm doing is relaxing on some kind of inner standard that I should be contributing mm. in some visible way, mm. uh, in some way that I can measure, but I'm just wanting to, to let that go and just appreciate the time to, um, work with my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for being able to have a pension. I'm grateful to the state of California in this case mm-hmm. and, and everybody in it, um, to, to be able to have the time to, um, to do these luxurious things that I hope are, are being of some benefit. What would it, what would it take for you to trust that they are having a benefit on you and others? Oh, everybody would start writing me letters that they're being benefited. (laughs) No, I don't know. Um, I think it's just a, a, you know, my own, my own trusting of my own, um, my own heart. And when I look into people's eyes, when I can do that mm-hmm. uh, and listen, um, feel the connection, then yeah, taking that to heart. Yeah. 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 I love that it came back to you trusting your own mm-hmm. knowing, your own heart, how you're being softened. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So we have time maybe for one more comment or question and does anybody have any um, thing that they struggled with or found, you know, difficult um, during this practice or reflection or anything else? I'm just trying to, you know, invite another voice into the room before we head out for our breaks. Oh, great. I've got. Hi. This is Jaisha. Can I be heard? You can be heard. Hello? Yeah, it's a little... Yes, I'm sorry I can't have... Yeah, well, um, let's see if I can make it better. I'm sorry. Um, I just wanted to... And I'm sorry I can't have my camera right now. Seems like I don't have a good signal. We're glad you're here in any way. Well, yeah, well, I'm trying to move my previous, you know, from my previous career to a new way of living, and I've been doing that for the past 10 years or so, but I struggle with not being quite where I want to be in terms of serving others, that what I do is meaningful, and then I also struggle with time, like I feel in between what I still used to do and what I want to, where I want to go, and that means I have a lot of commitments in both sides. And I also do volunteer work. So being honest with time for me in, in my livelihood 
being honest when someone asks me to do something else beyond what an overcommitted schedule to tell them, no, I can't because then I feel I'm doing something wrong, but I, I really can't, you know, honesty was time. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Aisha. Is there, um, um, well, we're, we're at break, but feel free to stay on anybody who wants or to sign off. And I'm just was going to ask, so feel free, break started, but yeah, Yaisha, if you want to stick around for a minute, um, or anyone else, I'm just wondering if, um, if one of us responded to you, would there be anything that you would want us to focus on or how, how we might support you? How much time do you have for break? Just 10, 10 minutes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, management with time, which I, I, it's for me is the same as trying being honest with the time I have available during the day. And because otherwise I take time off sleeping and then it's not quality of life. You know, I don't, I don't feel well like during the day and it's an ongoing problem for me. Yeah. It's honesty with time. Yeah. Engagements. Yeah. yeah. Ying or Chris, would either of you like to offer anything about working with time? Mm. I, go ahead, Chris. Are you going to unmute? Go ahead. Go ahead, Ying, if you were going to say something. Yeah, I just want to say maybe this is not necessarily related to time, but I would say there's a whole practice around the Noble Eightfold Path or wise livelihood, sustaining our life, includes our own life. So when we're doing job, we're thinking of supporting others, helping others, being of service for others. Include that, include yourself in that as well. So if this being needs um, time, this being needs rest, this needs, being needs help, we include ourselves in that. So that's what uh, came to mind. For me. Thank you so much. Chris, do you want to share anything? Oh, I was the one thing that came to my mind is just to think small, think small bites and small steps, you know, and just notice if you have a habit of thinking ahead that you have to accomplish something huge and and you don't feel like doing that and and just just think very small and very present and just one little you know typing one word at a time whatever whatever you need to do to just stay a little bit engaged very slowly and very very uh gradually mm-hmm. and yaisha i had one thought too and that was that um this is something that I've done and I found helpful. I don't know if I detected for sure in you some tension around having to say no to people. And so one way I've yeah. worked, okay. One way I've worked with that is that, um, I don't say no. I say, well, I can offer this. Maybe I have to say, I can't offer that, but I can offer this. And I look for what, 
what I can offer. And it might be, I could maybe, I can put that on my list of things for maybe six months from now. Right. Or, you know, or whatever it is, if that feels like something that you would want to do, but it, it can be helpful um, when you feel like you want to give, but you don't have the space to give to, to, to uh, you know, um, yeah, respond in that way for me. So hopefully you got Thank you. tidbits in there. Yeah. The three, the three shares were very helpful. Thank you so much. I very much appreciate it. Thank you for asking and sharing your, your difficulty with us. I appreciate it. All right. Okay. Go make sure you stretch and take a breath and feel your body. Just a reminder that the chat is open up for the rest of the break. If you want to, you know, communicate with somebody, you can chat to somebody. Probably not so likely to chat to everybody. That gets a little overwhelming. And uh, I, uh, the break will be, um, will end at 2.30. So welcome back, everybody. Uh, We're going to uh, move on to the second part of the Dharma talk, a little bit more teaching uh, around the topic of livelihood. Can you all hear me okay? I just want to do a sound check. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay, great. All right. So livelihood, uh, Ajiva, uh, Tanya uh, mentioned about this Pali term, and that's often translated as livelihood. And really, and the the sense that I get uh, reading the translation is the way of keeping this life going. You know, how do we keep this life going? And uh, Tanya also mentioned about uh, some of the survival uh, aspect of this, uh, which you know has to do with getting ourselves fed and have a place to stay and uh, dress warmly if needed, um, stay away from danger. But there are, there's also this aspects of um, supporting life uh, so that it has the uh, it can have its highest potential in terms of right livelihood right livelihood in the noble eightfold path is in support of our highest potential of this life uh, which is that uh, the possibility of freedom from dukkha freedom from suffering freedom from stress and so in this part of the talk I thought of maybe speaking about uh, several different um, explanations or uh, teachings uh, in the Pali Canon and in the uh, ancient suttas uh, where uh, some of the teachings that the Buddha uh, had given 
and in relationship to livelihood. And there are、uh, three different kinds that I'll go、uh, over, and they are、um, the wrong livelihood, and then there is a a kind of right livelihood, and that. Uh, Maybe leading to happiness and prosperity right here, right now, and also in the future. And then there is a noble right livelihood that goes beyond、uh, the pleasure, convenience, comfort, success,、uh, and that is part of the noble eightfold path that leads to ending of dukkha. So we'll speak a little bit about this a,、uh, a few different aspects of right li-、uh, the livelihood, and also as、uh, Tanya had pointed out,、um, and there is the what aspect of the livelihood. You know what job, what roles you have, and and there is how we engage in sustaining our life, living this life. And there's a few、uh, dimensions that I'm talking about here,、um, based on some of the Sutta teachings. They're all related to how we engage, how we engage living this life. So I'll start by、uh, some aspect aspects that that are linked in wrong livelihood、uh, in Samyutta Nikaya. Forty-five dot eight, one of the suttas. For those who are interested in looking it up, SN forty-five dot eight. One of the translations of this wrong livelihood is that it's a dishonest livelihood, making a living through cheating, lying, playing games, dishonest living. A dis dishonest livelihood. In another sutta, a middle-length discourses, Majjhimanikaya one one seven, and the description of a wrong livelihood is that of deceit, flattery, hinting, and belittling, and using material possessions to pursue other material possessions. Maybe a, a kind of layman's term is focusing on material gains. So we can probably relate it to、uh, some of the aspects of this.、Um, and if you、uh, kind of just sit with this definition a little bit, and you may realize that this might cover a wide spectrum. You know from Very undeniable、uh, lying to make a living to some of the gray areas, the gray area that we may not always、uh, clearly see, and if and this is、uh, unwise for sustaining our life. And so, for example,、uh, if、um, one engage in a particular project. And based on certain specification,、uh, in relationship with your client, but in order to meet、um, the deadline and completing the project,、uh, maybe、uh, one didn't 
completely follow the specification that were shared. If we are really paying attention to what might be happening to us in situations like this, maybe we can ask ourselves the question, is this a wise living? Is this honest living? Does it lead to any harm? Would this hurt oneself or others? So there are many of this kind of situations we may get into in uh, engaging in um, livelihood activities. And they uh, offer opportunities for us to turn inward and carefully look. And this um, maybe this is a set of definitions that I'm offering today is not necessarily a definition for us to kind of um, make check marks on, you know, say, yes, I got this one right. Um, but rather, it's something for us to reflect, to observe. Maybe over time, cultivating some sensitivities and care in our actions, in our speech, in our mental activities. And so that's um, related to two um, aspects of a uh, defining uh, wrong livelihood. And then uh, in Majjhima Nikaya uh, 117, and there is a definition around right livelihood, at least that's one translation. And there is right livelihood that is accompanied by defilements have the attributes of a good deeds and ripens in attachment. And this is a really peculiar, right? <laughs> you know, how do we call this the right livelihood if it's accompanied by defilement and yet has the attributes of a good deeds and then ripens in attachment? <laughs> how do we understand this? Uh, when I first read this, I was really scratching my head. <laughs> so what does this mean? Well, if we reflect a little bit on some of the things that Tanya had mentioned, the conditioning, are we in automatic pilot engaging in our activities that sustain our life? Are we really aware of what is happening? I know when I... Uh, uh, when I first uh, started my work, a work career as a computer scientist in high-tech company, I worked really hard because in my conditioning, you know, if I had to, if I get a job, I need to really work hard. And I thought I had, you know, I thought that was a good thing. You know, I just put in a lot of hours in and I thought I had a good Work ethics also, and try to avoid wrong speech and wrong action, and maybe sometimes even kind and generous, compassionate. But I did not see clearly that there is some form of not seeing or ignorant ignorance about this underlying condition of 
working hard. What does it mean to work hard? I didn't quite see that I have a certain belief in how I'm supposed to be working. Not to say that、uh, working hard is、uh, is something that、um, you know unwholesome or you know undesirable, but rather I was grasping on this belief that I must work hard. So I worked, you know. Twelve hours a day and fourteen hours a day. I've probably done sixteen hours a day before, and not knowing, keep going through、um, doing this, engaging it this way. It began to add a lot of stress in me, and I did. I was not aware uh, until uh, I got burned. I just had a lot of burnout and. And、um, I was feeling defeated、uh, when I couldn't put more effort in, and I didn't re- didn't realize there was certain aspects of a becoming a workaholic.、Um, so there's a lot of dukkha began to happen, and so this condition conditioning can ripen in attachment. Maybe we're attached to work, and. Maybe we attach to、um, climbing corporate ladders, you know, wanting to get more—I don't know—titles, more status,、um, bigger bonus, and, and so it's through this conditioning we can unconsciously engage in activities that are、um, condition attachment. In us, maybe we weren't even、uh, aware of this, but through this conditioning, it can happen. And so, this is the kind of a livelihood that、uh, the Buddha、uh, spoke about. Even though、um, it's said to be uh, right uh, livelihood,、um, but it's、uh, we're we're going about doing the work maybe with. Without clear awareness, what is happening? Upon accompanied by defilement, and maybe we're engaging, even though、uh, we may have certain aspects of good deeds、um, being part of this, but it actually conditions uh, in uh, into a lot of attachments in us. So that that can happen, right? And when we engage in、uh, our job, sometimes that is the the outcome、uh, as we、uh, keep going,、uh, keep spinning like this. Now, the noble right livelihood that is being defined is said in the sutta that this is kind of a wise livelihood that is noble, undefiled, transcendent, a factor of the path. And、so we can notice there are a few things、uh, in this definition, undefiled. Now we're becoming more clear about what is going on as we go about、um, uh, engaging in our jobs, in our roles, in our activities. And this, as part of the path factor, this kind of、uh, wise, noble livelihood. Leads to a profound sense of letting go, 
connection, reverence to our own lives and others. And in the Sutta, um, this noble right livelihood uh, is said to be led by right view. And this may be directly related to this aspects of no longer being accompanied by defilement. Through right view, there is a deeper knowing, deeper sense of a knowing of what this life is about. We don't live this life to get more and more things. We live to end dukkha for oneself and for others. We live to care, to love, to bring peace into our own heart and to others. We live to serve this life as well as others. And so there's a deeper understanding is leading the way in this form of a noble right livelihood or noble wise livelihood. And that this form of um, right livelihood also has a relationship with right effort, which is actually the next path factor. But I want to bring it in, maybe <laughs> jump ahead a little bit. But I do wanted to bring it in because and these are the aspects um, that is related to all the other path factors that we've been uh, talking about. And it's not uh, without them. Yeah. And so right effort has to do with um, abandoning uh, the uh, wrong speech, wrong actions, or wrong intentions that can lead to wrong way of sustaining our life. And so some of the examples that Tanya mentioned, you know, engaging in all these wrong trades that leads to harm. So abandoning wrong livelihood, unwise livelihood, and then cultivating right livelihood and wise livelihood. And so there is effort made in terms of a certain way of cultivating our body and mind uh, and heart. And there are also certain effort uh, that is um, cultivated to protect our mind and body and heart uh, from engaging in the unwise, unskillful actions. So right effort is part of this. And then lastly, in the Sasutta, uh, right mindfulness is brought in as well. So right, right mindfulness is used to establish right livelihood. And Tanya in her uh, part of the talk uh, also mentioned uh, about as we go about um, engaging in the activities related to our job, are we paying attention? Do we take time to breathe and observe what might be happening? So in the sutta, right view, right effort, and right mind, uh, right mindfulness uh, is said to run and circle around right livelihood. I love that image. You <laughs> have 
right view, right effort, and right mindfulness circle around right livelihood. So in a, in a way, in my mind, uh, they serve as a form of a protection, guardians for our livelihood, how, li- how we live this life. And they also support us. And I'll just say a few words about the other few um, uh, path factors that we've been uh, talking about in the past f- a few months. And that is the right intention, right speech, right action are not separate from right livelihood. Maybe on day-by-day basis or moment-by-moment basis, they are part of right livelihood. It's through setting wise intention, the intention of a non-harming, intention of love, care, that we engage in uh, our activities. And when we're engaged with our activities, we practice right speech, right uh, right action right here. So it's part of right livelihood right there. And I'll finish on this part of uh, Dharmat by uh, also saying that with this definition, um, I also want to say it's just like all the other path factors. Right livelihood um, is a cultivation. It's a practice. And it's a gradual cultivation, gradual development. We don't somehow just all of a sudden get it right, you know, and be done with it. But rather, it's something that uh, we use our uh, um, different uh, factors, the path factors, to engage with uh, this aspect of a practice. Uh, because as um, a gradual uh, training, gradual uh, cultivation, There'll be times that uh, we run into challenges, difficulties with ourselves and without, uh, with others. There will be hills and valleys in this cultivation. That's all good. So I remember, you know, for many years of working as a computer scientist, or even now, you know, I, I stopped working a professional job, but even now engaging with the supporting my family. Um, from time to time, I wrestle with this path factor. I wrestle with all the other fa- path factors too. But over time, I realized this, this wrestling is great. It means I'm really engaging with this. It means I'm really paying attention. Uh, so I would... um really encourage you, you know, to take this wrestling as a something um, that is a supportive and it's a part of our training and our, our uh, uh, development. So it really helps tone our muscles, um, wisdom muscles and, and um, compassion muscles. So I'll uh, wrap up this part of the talk by saying that the right livelihood is in support of the unfolding of the Noble Eightfold Path. 
and that's not in support of comfort or gain. You may, you may have ease and comfort. You may have even material gains. But what this is about in the Noble Eightfold Path is in support of alleviating and reducing and eventually ending dukkha. And so with that, we will get into a breakout room and small groups. And, and again, I think I'll mention for those who don't want to go into small groups, um, maybe uh, you can drop out in a couple of minutes uh, as maybe after I give the questions, even if you don't feel like you get into small groups to share, maybe this couple of questions I'm putting in into the chat box, you can still reflect. Um, and uh, as you get into the small groups, um, one thing I would say uh, is uh, take turn um, but uh, use it as an opportunity uh, to engage with this whole mindfulness practice as well. I'm practicing with mindful, uh, mindfulness of a speech, mindfulness of a listening. And as you speak uh, and listen, speak, uh, listen to yourself and listen to others. Listen to some silence in between. And allow this whole sharing um, in circle as a way to almost like create a music ensemble. Can you hear the overall dynamic of this sharing? The energy, the inspiration, and maybe the struggle that may be in there. So uh, allow you to kind of um, really soak into all these dimensions uh, of the sharing. Now I'm going to uh, cut and paste these two questions into the chat box. All right, so these two questions... You can maybe use about... Uh, half of the time, uh, seven, eight minutes at, for each of the questions. The first question has to do with the relationship of the different path factors related to right livelihood. So how might the path factors, right view, right intention, right speech, and right actions support you in the cultivation of right livelihood? So that's the first question. And then the second question is, what roles does mindfulness play in support of the cultivation of right livelihood? So, enjoy. Guess if Chris is ready. Just a second. Not quite. Checking. Okay. Balancing a little bit here. Okay. 
Oh, maybe I should say,、um, if there is a need for an icebreaker, maybe just use the、um, birth month、um, from January to December as a way to organize yourselves. And maybe the January birth month can start. And if that's really a, a challenge, <laughs> maybe the February and just. You know, at some point there will be an icebreaker, but in, just in case、um, you need one, maybe that's an order that can be suggested to the group. Okay, here we go. See you back in another eighteen minutes. Okay. Do we have everybody? Okay, so、um, we're going to open this up、um, for any field report how this went for you、uh, in the small group, or any questions, comments.、Um, so I see、uh, Tina. I'm raising physical hand. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi, Ying. Hi, everyone.、Uh, my groupmate would not be、uh, surprised that I've raised my hand.、Um, before I say what I say, I、uh, want to first acknowledge that we had the constraint of time of only two hours and a half. But I found myself very triggered by today's、um, uh, right livelihood. Because I just feel that I think not, may, possibly not all of us, but at least a lot of us. First of all, just by us being able to be here for two and a half hours, right?、Uh, you know,、uh, speak a lot to the privilege of having the time for two and a half hours to be here. So where I get a little bit、uh, triggered is that you know these questions that comes up. Um, and as we discuss, okay, if you work for a peace,、uh, you know, company that promotes peace, but everybody is、um, is arguing, obviously you don't want to do that. But how about the other?、Um, how do we think about that when we have to work in a chi- in a chicken factory in order to feed our children? How do we think about that、uh, when we are a refugee coming brand new to the United States with perhaps a medical degree, and you、uh, work as a janitor? So somebody said and pointed out、uh, rightly that, and, and this is, I, I guess, intuitively what I felt that all the others felt like this: you are in charge of that. But in right livelihood, we live in a society where a lot of people are not in charge of it. So that's where I got really. I just felt that you know what was going on is a a, a,、um, a talk amongst ourselves, in about ourselves. But how do we think about that when it relate when it relates to people?、Um, I do not have that choice. 
so yeah, that's that's all I have to say. And and so uh, I I think we had a, a, an amazing discussion in our group. Um, I I hope <laughs> to me it was amazing because um, that's what we talked about. Um, and I thank um, my group buddies for what they have to say. Yeah, thank you, Tina, for raising that. Um, I can feel that for myself when I first, as an immigrant coming to this country, I didn't feel like I had options mm-hmm. to do what, you know, I wanted to do. No, <laughs> it was a survival mode. Um, I think a one, uh, one thing that came to my mind as you speak, um, was tremendous compassion for ourselves and for others that we may be in conditions that are not under our control. Um, and in the situation we are in, um, have a lot of care and compassion for ourselves. Maybe for many people, we're doing the best that we can. And so this practice of our um, wise livelihood or well, any of these other factors, it's not meant to use it to judge myself or judge others. It's not used for comparison, judgment. But it's really... Uh, giving us uh, an option to look carefully. Let me see Tanya on uh, muting. Go ahead. Thanks. And thank you, Tina, so much, you know, for bringing this issue forward. And I think that one of, one of the things I had in mind um, was really wanting to emphasize that there's two parts what we do and how we do it. Mm-hmm. Because I, I really believe that we don't all have a choice, right? We don't really get to choose. But if we, where we do have choice is how we do our work, mm-hmm. right? So if we're killing chickens, we can focus on um, thanking the chicken for its life to sustain others. Right. Or we can offer meta. There are ways to still do something um, where we do have a choice to affect that experience in our own minds and our own hearts um, in a way that is really um, hopefully more nourishing than to sit there thinking I'm doing something bad every time we do something right, which would not be helpful at all. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot here because there's, you know, institutionalized racism and many conditions in our world that impact um, the kind of work or the way people are treated in the workplace. I actually think it's a, it's a very, very big topic with lots and lots of. Yeah. And I see um, Barry has a hand up. Yeah, fine. So I have two questions which I will answer. 
ask quickly because there's so many people here. Um, but it's been my understanding, and please correct me if this is wrong, that in um, practicing engaging in the Dharma, the Buddha, and the Sangha is a, an example of right or wise livelihood. That's one question. The other question was, um, I was fascinated to hear that using material possessions to gain more possessions uh, was an example of unwise livelihood, which pretty much covers all of corporate, the corporate world or anything that's been put up on the market. Um, and you sort of have answered how that gets um, uh, rectified or uh, accepted. But yeah, that I thought was really interesting. That's it for me. Yeah. Thank you, Barry, for uh, erasing both of this. Maybe I'll address the uh, the second part uh, first. I I didn't kind of elaborate on um, um, maybe more deeply, expansively, but I was reflecting that we are all um, in, in this whole uh, social economic system that we're in um, is almost driven by the forces of. Um, using material gain to get more material gain. You know, kind of the whole society almost is constructed like this. And, and how we engage in this um, wisely. You know, it's a deep reflective question. And uh, we, it uh, kind of calls for um, continual cultivation of mindfulness and awareness us to see are we being pulled automatically into this force of um, consuming in order to gain more um, and uh, for ourselves and for others and are away uh, engaging in a way to cultivating simplicity and letting go this is a, maybe there's um this is an ongoing reflection uh, for us. Now, any of the other um, teachers like to comment? I just will say, we I think we have two other hands raised, and um, I'm, I'm just want people to know that I'm willing to stay on after we close because um, we're going to shift to closing soon. So, if you didn't get your questions or your comments addressed and you want to stick around afterwards, I'm happy to stick around. Yeah. Just want you all to know you can be heard. And... Um, but, but I was wondering about the first question I asked. Well, I'll, I'll just say, yes, that is right livelihood. That's, I mean, that's the livelihood of the monastics that the Buddha was talking to. And it's much, as much as we can engage in it, it's right livelihood that's, is any activity that leads to less suffering for our, ourselves and others. And so any time that we can spend practicing the path and sharing it with each other is definitely very much right livelihood. Does that get at what you were asking? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
maybe we'll take this question and then close and then continue on for those who continue, uh, who are able to stay. So, uh, Elena. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering if you could give some perspectives from the Dharma that might be used to answer the question of how we gauge what's enough. And I understand that that is probably really challenging to answer, given all of the causes and conditions. Um, that's a question I'm meditating on right now is like how to gauge like what's enough. Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, and it may vary uh, from person to person, situation to situation. Um, so what's enough? Um, I can share that one of my, um, one of the things that I've done that has been really helpful for me is to, um, to turn when I'm, when I'm wanting something or thinking something should be different or better or whatever to ask myself, but is what I have good enough? Does that connect in any way, Alana, with what you're asking about? Like trying to find that answer. But for me, it's almost like it's a, especially when there's more of an urge for more or feeling there's not enough, shifting that perspective to, is this, is this good enough? Is this enough? I think that that's helpful if I was to reflect on conditions in the present, but in terms of, you know, choosing livelihood and planning for the future and supporting oneself over, you know, over life, if we are lucky enough to live, you know, throughout our lives. Um, it's that kind of, uh, that kind of realm in which I've been, uh, yeah, looking for some support. But, um, I think that that's all I have to say. I just, one thing that comes to me is just how there is no single answer or rule or anything like that that's going to apply over a lifetime. And so it's a, it's just a beautiful question to keep alive in your mind and to, you know, not get too hung up on thinking there's a perfect answer to everything that you figure out now, but you make your best discernment in the moment and then you keep watching, you know, did I get something that I don't need after all? Is this turning out to be, you know, not enough? Did I, did I take some very idealistic job that isn't paying the rent? <laughs> you know, you can, you just have to keep looking at how it's working out and there isn't any particular answer, but living a life that's framed by those questions keeps you heading in a direction that's the best discernment you can make on, on, you know, growing your wisdom and putting, putting in better things into the world and into your own life. So that's one way to look at it. We're at 3.30. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so let's close the day with uh, sharing of all the good energies that come from our practice and from our time together, from our all the time we're putting into this program all year. 
and may all of it be contributed to furthering the wholesome livelihood of all of us and everyone we meet and work with and for and extending out to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. May all beings be at ease. May all beings be free from suffering. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Sean, you still got your blue hand up? Did you want to stick around? Nope. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just took it down because you mentioned it. And I thought I'd share something that I learned myself. Uh, uh, I used to be in the finance uh, field. And I'll give two examples of, of using money to make money. So I worked with individuals who didn't care about the people they worked with. They just wanted to make money and, and get more prestige. Even though there is an ethics standard we had to hold up to where that's I just did my best for the customer in front of me. And the other thing, mentioning corporations, um, you can't stop dealing with uh, business. So what I found is I look at the metrics of the company. There's some companies that are rated B certified. There's actually uh, people who rate companies for you. Um, or, for example, like Dr. Bronner's, they make a great uh, a point of making sure that, you know, they're not harming anyways. I just thought I'd share that. As an ex-banker, I found that there was two types of people in the banking industry, those who were there to help and earn a living, and those that were just there to earn a living. Beautiful, Sean. Thank you. Yeah. Carolina. Oh, this is a question about the socialty. I wanted to know what it is. Chris, where are you? I'm sorry. We, when we used to, back in the ancient days, when this used to be a small little group of local Bay Area people, we would have a social tea get together in February where we would bring potluck dinner. And I sure wish we could do that with all of you. But so that got left in the headline of the mail this month, um, wrongly. <laughs> so anyway, can't figure out how to do that online with people from all over the country and all over the world. But that's what that it was left over from. Does that answer okay. your question? Yeah, it would it would have been nice to have it. <laughs> well, maybe I don't know. Maybe we could, you know, st- stay later, start early next time, and invite everybody to just have an open chat. It might be a little chaotic with a hundred people, but we could give it a try. Bring your own tea. <laughs> Think about it. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else anyone wants to share or ask? Yes, Sally. Oh, I just wanted to say how grateful I am that we can do this on Zoom um, and that I have this opportunity to do this. It's just amazing. I um, used to listen to Audio Dharma and to have the possibility to participate in this greater way has just been um, foundationally um, so supportive. Um, so I just wanted to express a little gratitude for all the work that you all are doing and 
your combined wisdom has just um, just been wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I have a feeling there's no going back on the, having this program. <laughs> Cat's out of the bag here for the the whole scene. So it's been great. Isn't that astonishing what we've learned? Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Can I put in a plug? Um, best based on Sally's comment about the IMC online uh, retreats. If, if you have the opportunity to do those retreats, they're just fantastic. And somebody called me a retreat junkie. I think I've done eight of them <laughs> since, since last March, but oh my gosh, what a beautiful, that's my livelihood now. It's <laughs> doing retreats, right? <laughs> but it's just such a special thing. So they didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> Sally, how is it to audit it? I, I know that there have been some that have filled up. I'm wondering if anybody's had an auditing experience. And is it? Yeah. Susan, yeah? Susan you have, you want to speak to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, here's what I want to tell you is that I've signed up for these retreats and then because of my living situation was basic, I, I was auditing them. I wasn't able to participate at the level that I have in the past, you know. And I am telling you, auditing is just the way to go. I think if you, first of all, you can participate. Now they have somebody there who's just for the auditors, which I think is terrific. And then likewise, um, you can go to the open sort of fireside chats. So if you have a really pressing question, you can talk to a teacher. Um, and if you have anything going on in your life, like you absolutely have to work, you know, but you can, but you can take time. Um, totally do that because it's just a beautiful thing. It just structured my day in this really lovely way where I didn't feel like to miss. You know, because I was missing, but I was, it wasn't a big deal, right? It's not a big deal. So anyway. It's a great way to practice right livelihood right there <laughs> as you live your life and practicing with a bunch of other people. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Deepa. Hi. I have a question um, regarding donation. Um, how does it work with, uh, with this path? Um, you know, uh, segment. Uh, I think you can donate through the general IMC place and specify um, that it's for the Eightfold Path. Um, maybe you can put that under the teacher slot. I don't think the teacher thing is a drop-down. I think it's a free form where you can enter who it's for and you can just put the Eightfold Path. And then he, uh, 100% gets distributed to all the teachers, even the mentors, or is it yeah, just the a- mentors? The mentors are a different thing. Um, that Donna would go to the teachers of the program. And if you want to offer Donna to your mentors, now the mentors are all doing this, you know, I mean, we're all doing it truly on a donation basis, which means there's no expectation is freely offered. But if you want to offer uh, donations to your mentors, you need to work that out with them because it's just too much work for our um, 
volunteer bookkeeping staff to distribute money that widely, so offerings that widely. So maybe you can just ask them how how you could offer them donations. Yeah, because I think on the donation, you can just pick a teacher and then donate them separately, right? Um, yeah, so. some of the mentors are probably teachers listed on the teacher if there's a teacher drop down, and some of them aren't. So, you know, okay. depends on okay. who the bookkeeping system so far and who isn't so mm-hmm. uh, regarding donations so is it um it equally distributed to all of you right if if i donate to the a okay yeah. great um and then another question uh, i've donated before um uh with uh you know with with the imc um I was always just curious. It's always like a category. What if somebody just, I mean, what if I just want to donate as a whole group? Because how does the, the bill get paid for the rent or the, the, you know, the water, the, the electricity, or how does that work? Do that. I'm sure there's a way to donate without specifying any. Yeah. It, it's the general fund or IMC fund or just, it's like, um, it used on the board, right? Chris at the, um, I'm just looking up what it looks like here. Okay. But yes, you can definitely, I do it to just, and it supports the organization and like that money is pooled and used for everything from solar panels to, you know, um, paying the water heating to supporting teachers who are new and, and need a little extra financial support. It's like, it can be used for a whole range of things, whatever the mm-hmm. board thinks is necessary at the time. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I was just donate button on I on IMC. There's a place to say how much is for just IMC Audio Dharma in general, or you can put in a teacher name, or you could put Eightfold Path in the teacher slot. Okay, so not a general like as a overall, right? No, there's a choice. If you look on the donate button, <laughs> okay, on the IMC website, if you okay. There is a choice there that says IMC slash Audio Dharma amount. That's for the oh, general. Oh, okay. Audio Dharma is also uh, is a general. Yeah, because I thought it was just the app, but it's not right. It's the whole thing. Yeah, it's the whole thing as an organization. Oh. Center okay. I'm talking about InsightMeditationCenter.org. So I don't know yeah. what you may have connected to us with, but that's where to. That's where okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That helps. Thanks, Deepa. Yeah, thank you. Did you have any comments or questions? Just hanging out with us? Nice. No, I'm just very grateful for your work on this half path. (laughs) We are, as you said, in the, in the middle. And it finally is coming to the place where we start using all the previous to uh, our livelihood so this month is gonna be a difficult one <laughs> because it's, it's like taking those concepts yeah. like right view and right action but yeah. now i have to put them together into my everyday yeah. things i my probably my my focus will be on consumption not what i do but what do I buy or what I do with my trash or how am I, uh, where am I going to buy from this person that really needs something or from that corporation that really I, I don't make a difference? Mm-hmm. That, that's what I'm seeing in my mind right now. Beautiful. 
I love yeah. it. I had a little teaching that I dropped out, <laughs> which is about the consumption, because I feel like if the Buddha had lived in today's world, the right livelihood would have to include <laughs> consumption, how yes. we consume. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. That's so, great. Thank you. That, that sort of right lifestyle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we stop that one. Marianne, that, was there anything for you before we sign off? No, just hanging out. 